Welcome to HR Unscripted, breaking the silence, an audio journal where we tell the untold stories of HR. We're here to explore the human side of human resources beyond the politics and the bureaucracy and the procedures. We are here to lay it all out on the line today. Here with me, as usual, is Tony Tarbox, the Hi. great co-host. And today we have joining us Courtney Harms. She is a long-term professional, and it seems she worked at Texas Roadhouse for yeah. nine years. Heck yeah. I've never eaten at a Texas Roadhouse. If I were to close my eyes and someone said Texas Roadhouse to me, immediately thoughts of rolls and Cinnabutter fill that space, even though that's all, and big steaks. Like, that's all I know about that restaurant chain. They have much more. Burgers, chicken, pork Ooh. chops. The old family feed bag. Legendary handmade sides. <laughs> so, is, Tony, have you not been to a Texas Roadhouse because you haven't lived in a place that's had one? Or do you just refuse to go? It's not a refusal per se. I'm sure there's some in St. Louis, at least out maybe in the burbs somewhere. I am married to the daughter of a cattle magnate. So I don't often go to steakhouses like that because... She knows where the steak comes from. Yeah, we got we got beef on tap at our house, baby. So it's not like beef out isn't isn't a treat for me. So Texas Roadhouse isn't something that we ever sought out because we have always had a freezer full of beef. So it's I that's the really that's the only reason. No, I, like no disparagement. I mean, it's a it's a chain restaurant, right? Like I don't and I, and and I want to be clear. Like I'm not. I don't want to disparage chain restaurants as a whole, like sector of this economy. That had McDonald's the other day, right? That being said, it's just, it, it was never really a draw. I know that people that do love it from all walks of life that do love having that option. The first one I was exposed to popped up in my hometown of Ames, Iowa, uh, in like the the 10s, like real or late aughts is when that popped up. And um, I have lots of friends that went there for celebrations because they were drunk, because they needed somewhere to appease a wide range of picky ass family members. I mean, there's a lot of drivers that bring people to the roadhouse. I assume just none of them hit me. Courtney, do you still know the menu? Oh yeah. Ask me anything. <laughs> what mean, are those I... sides? Yeah. Name three legendary handmade sides. Well, just for potatoes, we have baked potatoes, oh. sweet potato, fries, mashed potatoes. We got green beans, corn, chili, Caesar salad, house salad. I mean, chili even. So much I think more they, than steak, Tony. Yeah, yeah. They even have like soup now and green chili. Damn. Wow. But select locations just because I think they try to, you know, go with the demographic in the area sometimes. But yeah, they try new recipes here and there. Some make it, some don't. So they had to be okay if you worked there for nine years, yeah. which I'm flabbergasted is the word that comes to mind for that like <laughs> you need some type of an award or like a little you know steak I, i've <laughs> always said that professionals could be served by working in service whether that's food service or what have you yeah courtney were your wait staff were you a hostess did, did you manage the place i mean what happened <laughs> Well, I started in high school as a host. Uh, I also served for a little bit in my small town, Elizabeth, as a server, then was a server through college at Texas Roadhouse, and then transferred back once I was looking for a full-time job. So, I mean, no, I never became a manager, but I became a trainer, which okay. I could, now that I think about it, is their training program was so cool and I've actually always result back to it within my HR career funny enough hmm. of, Tell me more. of how it was how it was done it was called a tell show do review so you're going to tell the person what you're going to do today you're going to show them you're going to have them do it and then you're going to have them review the whole process so it's it's just a way to make them know what they're doing, understand it, actually physically doing it, and then them reciting it so that they can remember. So I actually use that a lot. Was there any type of 
like checkoff process or progress or check-ins with managers? How did that work? So their training was four days for servers. And so you did kind of did different things each day. So at first it's obviously just the basics and you're just shadowing. The second day is, okay, let's get you jumped in. It obviously depends on the person too. Sometimes I'd have them jump in on the first day if they've served before, they kind of, you know, know the basics already. And then by the fourth day, they should be doing 100% of it. And then they actually serve the managers at the end of the night. So um, making sure they hit all their different pieces. Uh, they have like secret shoppers. So if you don't hit every single thing, which as a trainer, they said I missed one one step Oof. and I didn't get a hundred and I what was it what was that I said? I didn't offer a legendary margarita what but I, but I offered an ice cold beer so oh, okay. so I fought it got a hundred oh yeah like yeah because I was like I'm a trainer I know what I'm doing I swear <laughs> but yeah if you don't hit those steps of service you get docked so whether that's ticket times from the kitchen even. So it's it's kind of all incorporated. So you really do have to work as a team. You're pairing up new employees with uh, with their, their shadowers, right? Or with the person that's going to guide them. Are those employees that are already there, are they are they known to you or do you get to kind of handpick them? Is there a is there a a, a bucket or a list of employees that you will pair newbies up with? So the only people that can train you have to be like, we weren't necessarily certified, but you were picked sure. by the management team. Mm -hmm. And if they were given to you that day, they're yours the whole night. So I wouldn't ever send them off with someone else. They were yeah. always with me or another trainer on a, you know, day one, two, three, four, whatever it was. I, Amy, I, you know, this is what I, this is what I love to do in the field of HR is learning development onboard, especially I really like onboarding. Um, and so I've been listening very carefully, Courtney, to what you've described this big, giant uh, organization mm -hmm. have a, a fairly standard, right? I mean, when we build for our clients or when we in the past have built out onboarding procedures or training protocols, learning development paths, they've looked very markedly like this, right? There's a reason that they that they look like this. When you were identified as a trainer, as someone to that would help people kind of along the way, would you get a bump in your pay? Uh, I, I mean, we got, obviously there's minimum wage and then tips. And I'm trying to think if I did get more. They paid you in an extra wallop of legendary potatoes. <laughs> yeah, I became a closer and I got to take right. home food for free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was my race right. in college. <laughs> Because this is something this is something that I think companies love to do. And I, and I think to be successful in training and onboarding, you have to identify those high performers because you want to obviously be able to capture lightning in a bottle and repeat that success, right? Whether you're 20 employees or 2,000 employees, that's a pretty standard. But but you have to spoof those people or they're not going to want to do it or they're not going to do it in, a, in, a, in an effective way, Right. That was something that we coach our clients when they're building these things out. You got to make sure that if you yeah. want people to be excited about training and you want to build that hype, right? Because this is a new person, especially if they're being onboarded. This is a new person. You want them to be excited about their choice to join you and your organization, right? And the best way to do that is to have their big buddy, their trainer, be as excited as you want them to be, right? Because they'll, they'll, they'll mimic that. And yep. I, I Again, I, I we've hit on this before, but training is such a big piece of the puzzle that gets missed almost 80% of the time. Mm -hmm. It costs money. It takes time. It takes time to develop. You know, not everybody is a great trainer, too. You know, I ran into that. You know, there's folks that just, you know, flat out don't want to do it. So why push somebody into that area that they don't, you know, thrive in? So there's there's that piece, too. But did you ever get a trainee that came in that didn't pass the mark? Uh, I mean, there, there were a few that, you know, it took them a little longer to, I mean, to even get the job, you have to pass the menu test. And so you have to, have, you have to finish all menu items in under an hour. They put them all out in front of you. <laughs> yeah, 30, a there's a 32 ounce ribeye. There's a whole chicken. You got to eat it all. Yeah. 
No, I mean, I think everyone made it through. Sometimes people just got an extra day or two of training, potentially. If, again, when they're serving those managers and they miss something, or it was clear that they just weren't getting it. But mm -hmm. I would say for the most part, four days and how they had each thing set up, because you do like a whole hour of training before even the shift begins. So there's multiple things that you go over. It's more of, and I taught everyone just consolidate, act that your three tables is just one big table and you, you will run circles around everyone. So that was Thanks. always yeah. my key. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to, we're, we're going to get into your your um, your post Texas Roadhouse adventure here shortly. But as just out of curiosity, was there anything now that you've had a, a couple of trips around the sun as an HR professional? Is there anything that you saw during your training that you would have changed or, or maybe they could have done better? Because we've talked about all the things that they did right. Right. What are some things that you saw that you would have changed now with the experience that you've gained in the HR field? I mean, at the time, I thought, this is great. This is so easy. It's all laid out for me. I mean, the steps one, two, three, four, five that you need to go through with that person. So I think they did great at like creating those documents. But I would say kind of that tip that I said before, right, where it's like consolidate your tables. So little kind of nuances that will actually help to better just be efficient with your time. And so little things like running food while you're not busy, you know, those extra little items that help people go above and beyond and just help mm -hmm. even other servers around you. I mean, once you get into it and you kind of get in the rhythm, you get there. But I would say even time with the managers or learning what they do, essentially, yeah. to kind of understand, okay, when do I need to pull them into this angry guest or, just different nuances like that, I would say would have helped. But otherwise, I mean, I've used that training in a lot of my creation of training in HR. No, I think it's a great model to to model it after. Um, so yeah. props to them for being so Legendary. in front of the game, you know, back in the day. Yeah, good old TRH. So uh, during your exciting time at the, the old road house, Roadhouse. You went to college. What'd you go to college for? I originally went for accounting, uh, but, uh, but okay. quickly switched to <laughs> business management. Yeah. Um, just I've always liked people. I've actually, you know, in choosing what to go to school for at CSU, I thought about counseling or therapy. Mm -hmm. Um. I've always, always grew up wanting to be a teacher, actually. I just like teaching, training people, being around people, right? And then, of course, within business, there were a few HR classes. And I was like, okay, I could see this because I'm. it's kind of like being a therapist. I'm right. being a teacher. Right. Yep. Right. <laughs> and it's still business. So I call it being a camp counselor most days. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Adult supervisor. Yes. Some days. Um. But yeah, so I, I kind of just went that route because I also figured business, every company has it, needs it, and it'll open a lot of doors for me. Um, yeah, so then I actually got a job the week I graduated as an HR assistant. So that's where I where I started my little career in HR. It was a little franchise. I primarily did payroll onboarding but I also did actually accounting items kind of happens with payroll and uh, customer claims this is a small. I think they had seven locations, so, but smaller. Um, and that's where I started. Was it just you? There were technically two of us in the back office and then the two owners, the girl I worked with, she primarily did accounting, you know, AR, AP, all the, those items. And then I would pick up, any extra help that she needed and then did new hire paperwork, payroll, getting people uniforms, all those types of items. What was different about what you learned in college versus the real world? In your first job. Yeah. Yeah. In your first job. Everything. 
<laughs> no, not everything. But was it was it more of a like you know how you said the 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 way that the Roadhouse could up their training game? There, you know, the lack of just the the little things. The devil's always in the details, right? Was it something similar here where you learned a lot of like fancy book work, but then in practice things might be a little bit different? Honestly, I had zero training i was just kind of thrown in because <laughs> again it, that's what happens i think at small companies they just a don't have the capacity to have you sit with somebody else but b because they're so small they don't have those documents yet or those just kind of a step-by-step -step. so i kind of just learned uh, the system that they did payroll in and jumped in figured it out uh, a couple other I, I mean you could always ask and say hey am I doing this right is this how you want it to look but other than that I mean there's not a whole lot of training that I had so we've all ran into good HR folks and bad ones they are out there folks do you think having a college degree in business or specifically HR management helps or can you or... just come in and figure the shit out I mean, there's definitely classes towards junior, senior year of college that, that were helpful. There's just so many electives that you have to take to finish college that I sometimes think is useless, right? Like all the different math classes out of basic math, I never use. Uh, but there are a few specific business classes, management classes that I have remembered and gone back to of like how to treat your team or performance reviews. I mean, we watched The Office. Um, no, not The Office. Well, The Office, yes. But there was one movie uh, that we always went to. I, it's the guy with the stapler. Where did we see my stapler? Office Space. Oh, yeah, yeah, Office Space. Yeah. So we would watch clips from that of like, here's what not to do, or why wouldn't you do things the way they're doing them? So you kind of sat in class and was like, okay, well, the memo, right? You know, how how do you how do you make that better, or how do you filter it so that people are motivated to actually go with the change or whatever was happening? So, I think yes, it could be useful, depending on the classes you take. But there's so much that happens day to day that changes. Every day mm -hmm. is different, and a lot of it is just a situation. Again, it could be kind of the same situation but different people and you don't always handle it the same so a lot of it is just life experience and rolling with the punches each day courtney do you remember what those what those classes were that you that you pulled that you got all of you know those lifts from i know one was a business management just business management i don't know if it was 101 um there's one that was like researching companies and what they did wrong so we actually like researched wendy's and their pr so that was a public like a, relations class like a case studies type mm -hmm. situation there right. yep yep i would say there's probably three or four big ones that i took a lot from cool yeah yeah i think i remember doing a lot of case studies back in the day too of, of what not to do and write a paper on how you would do it better. And that's easy in academics, right? Like yeah. you're learning all this theory and you're learning all these like best practices and then you can get them applied through case study. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. mean, I go back to it, you know, I, I, there's good and there's, there's bad people in here in the profession that I <laughs> think at sometimes brings it down a notch in my opinion, like, you know, the profession at the whole still has a stigma around it, I think, that yep. we're not truly respected and we don't have the business sense and know-how. And I think that comes back to so many people in this industry right now, not to say that most of you don't do a good job, but you don't have the business know-how or the political sense behind you. I probably pissed a lot of people off right then. Whatever. I think, too, HR has changed from what it was 20, 30, 40 years ago, mm -hmm. where today we're more involved of, like, being strategic and culture and, like, all these, you know, different things where so long ago it was like, you're just here when shit hits the fan, 
pretty much, yeah. right? You're yep. protecting the company. So depending on the generation, you might view it that way versus, okay, let's, we've evolved. This is, we can be so much more helpful now in yep. different ways. And having that person on the executive team sometimes doesn't always work or they yep. don't think that it's needed. So how did you end up moving on for that job? Were you just sick of it? Did you move forward? Did you get coaxed into to to go into your next job? What happened? So that one was still in Fort Collins. So I decided, okay, I want, you know, one full-time job because I was still working at Texas Roadhouse at the same time. Awesome. Uh, so two jobs. <laughs> uh, and I was like, let's move to Denver. Let's get a full-time job and let's, you know, be a big girl now. You've graduated college. Let's move on. Get out of college town. So moved to Denver and landed a job actually as a financial assistant is what it started as uh, with about 30 employees or so. And then there was no point person when I got hired. I was just given a packet and then I was like, okay, now what do I do with, you know, all my documents, yeah. my direct deposit, all the things, it's all manual. And they didn't have that point person. And I was like, well, do you want somebody to do that? Like, what's the goal here? So I quickly took that on to help with hiring. And then I quickly took over payroll. And then once we hit 50 employees, I was given HR full-time. And this was in the property management space, correct? Yes. Third-party property management. Okay. Yep. So a lot of growth, which was awesome. A lot of people coming in, uh, given HR full-time. And then... From there, obviously, that changes different aspects, right? Different reporting with over 50 employees, more processes just to be compliant, uh, hiring, all the different things that you got to think about. And a lot of the process were, processes were still manual. So I was challenged and stepped up to the challenge to say, how do I keep this all under my belt? and keep afloat, right, with all the different things. So I implemented an HRS system. At the time, it was Paylocity, which they had great implementation team that helped me to just learn the system as much as I could. Mm -hmm. And it automated so much for me. So not only were we continually growing, but I was like gaining more time to do other things. So that was awesome. Uh, I mean, once we hit a hundred, that's when I was like, okay, it's still, still getting a lot busier for just me again. And I did eventually get an assistant to help with payroll, which was a godsend because that was time consuming with a hundred employees. So we only do payroll. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I mean, people were wanting reviews. I mean, the more people we got, they're like, we want like, you know, the regular reviews. And they're like, well, what do we say in a review? So right. kind of creating that space of, okay, here's, I'd created one for 90 days of like, how has it been? You know, the, the kind of typical questions, how's your manager? Do you feel comfortable here? Do you like what you're doing? Uh, where do you want to go? And so there was a 90 day one. And then we did one at one year. And then after that, it was kind of a, well, do we continue like an mm -hmm. annual process? Do we want to become corporate? Because we also wanted to keep that mom and pop feel and that family and the, I guess, openness to be flexible and not be, you have to do it X, Y, Z every time. Yeah. Man, coming in with uh, reviews and uh, and keeping that mom and pop feel. Reviews are one thing that if you don't do it right, you're going to give that that taste of corporate culture that people, so many people, they don't think they want, but they really do. Right. That's, that's a whole other podcast mm -hmm. that we could talk about for hours, but the review build out, you've got to do that with such a gentle hand in that space. Or if you do it wrong, it can have disastrous consequences. Yes. Yep. Cause if you wanted it great. I mean, people also associate a review with a raise every time always. and oh, that's sure, not yeah. always the case. So it's like, well, you're asking for a review. Have you looked back at what you've done <laughs> like recently? Are you sure you want to do this? 
<laughs> you know, maybe come back in three months and see what happens. The mirror's not always fun to look into, right? Right, right. So sometimes it was a question again of like, okay, are you doing good? Is this what you really want, or is this just a conversation you need to have with your manager? You know, is it the full process that we need to do, or are you just having a frustrated? You know, you're frustrated about something today and you just need to have that conversation or is this really time because you've evolved, your skills have grown and you do need a raise or whatever it may have been. As a department of one, what was your biggest challenge setting up all of these different processes? One was I hadn't done them all right (laughs) yet in a career so it was learning to tony's point you know making sure that it is delicate or what's the right approach but being able to customize it to that company so just figuring out the best way to do it was was a challenge in itself how did how did you figure that out i mean a lot of research of you know, templates online, it could have been, I mean, we'll keep going with performance reviews. So like templates, typical questions, interview process, right? Typical interview questions, but then customizing it to, okay, where's the company going in five years? Do your goals align? You know, things Mm -hmm. like that, where you could customize it. Um, Working with the executive team a lot on like, okay, here's what I've put together. What are our thoughts here? Take it, leave it. Uh, kind of critiquing it and coming up with what we ultimately decided was mm-hmm. best for whether that was a high, you know, paid employee versus the lowest paid and it to make it work for everybody. So keeping with performance reviews, <laughs> how long of a process do you think that that was from the initial like searching and, and figuring out how to do it to the rollout? Of the staff well from start i mean i want to say probably three to six months but mm-hmm. at the same time even when we did start those 30 day or it was the 90 day but i did it with everyone just to get that bottom line started for everybody yeah. that I mean, I mean it took at least a year to yeah. do i mean everything that i feel like everything that hr touches or does is always changing, always evolving, can always be better. New C-suite comes in and wants it, you know, to scrap everything and redo it again. And so we're, we're, I feel like we're constantly going back in editing and revising. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I would say the other challenge with being HR of one was because you have to wear all these different hats. And, you know, again, there's something that comes up each day that you got to either handle right away or figure out a process for if, if it's not in place already, but also just having your day to day and still being available to everyone as needed. That was, that was the biggest challenge I would say. I imagine we're going to talk to, or there are going to be people that listen to this program that are in a situation where they're in a company, a small to medium-sized company experiencing growth and are, you know, new HR professionals, maybe just out of college, like Courtney here. Courtney, um, to that audience in particular, how do you ask the C-suite, the the powers that be for help. You said a couple of times that you were, you know, there was a lot, overwhelmed was a word that you used and challenging was a word that you used. How in that situation, when you're brand new at a company, you're still figuring out what the company wants. You're still figuring out how to build, right, these programs. How do you ask for that space and that grace from the, the powers above you? Yeah. I mean, I know a lot more now than I did when I right. very first started. Right, right, right. Because <laughs> uh, at first I was like, just do it. You know, right. if you're working late, you're working late. You got to figure it out. You got to, mm-hmm. you have all these tasks and they need to be done by Friday. So a lot of it was just working and getting it done myself rather than having that conversation of, okay, I have these items on my plate. We want this done. But given, 
things come up sometimes, I don't think I'll be able to get this done by two weeks. So having that conversation and saying, and, and being open and honest, right. Of these are all the things. If I can spend a hundred percent of my time on this, this is how long it'll take, but I can really only spend 50% of my time on it. So being able to have that time management and figuring out how long it'll actually take you. And once I started doing that, I was able to say, okay, here's all the things. This is how much time it is. They're like, whoa, you do all of that? Because, right. you know, everyone's kind of not necessarily mm-hmm. blinders, but they have their own stuff to do each day and they don't necessarily notice what's going on or the capacity of one person all the time. So having it mapped out is super helpful, not only for yourself or myself to say, okay, this, this is a goal. Here's the stepping stones, but it also helps to, okay, this is 80 hours for one person in one week. Like it's time, or even if it's 55 hours for one person in one week, it might be time to get some help. So that's, that's what helped me start to delegate tasks whether that's like someone in accounting doesn't have enough work, they can take on these pieces of payroll or benefits to help alleviate some of the tasks that you have. So you spent, it looks here, about almost nine years at that particular employment. And then what happened? Dun, dun, dun. Well, I I mean, honestly, I was like, I've never moved out of Colorado. I want to move. <laughs> Where did you want to move to? Montana okay I like it I like it yeah so that's that was kind of a big goal of mine like okay this is what this is it like this is my time to do it let's let's try so I was applying to a ton of jobs trying to just figure out you know what I could do if it's even a remote job then obviously I could move um but I actually landed a position in Denver that it was just an opportunity I couldn't say no to just given the the size of the company, it was still in the same sector, so property management. So I was had that comfort of knowing kind of what to expect. Sure. Um, so I took that on, and it was a lot of the things that I had already done. So like the HRIS build out, which uh, was Paycom. There it is. Uh, And (laughs) just learning that system, helping them. I actually going in, it almost felt like a mom and pop again Mm -hmm. because their processes were very just not solid, (laughs) not, you know, concrete enough to where they're 20 different communities. Every single one did it a different way. So again, the training piece and all, all the things there, which is how Amy and I met. Yeah. Uh, She was, she was my little helper for recruitment, which I mean, if I had to do that at the same time, I couldn't have got anything done. I mean, the recruiting there was insane for the property management side, which it's always kind of a revolving door in that field anyway. Just again, with growth, you're always needing an extra person all the time. But then the usual kind of turnover within that field is just kind of how it is. People moving nonstop. I mean, if you move out of one community, sometimes they require that you live on site. So if you move, you can no longer be employed. So it's just kind of always that revolving kind of door there. So with that, revolving door that I saw you guys go through at, at that particular company. You know, I know as as we have HR professionals, we've got crazy stories, sad stories. You got any like crazy property management stories about like the maintenance people oh, yeah. or... in Denver? I bet oh you do. Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah, there's deaths that happen in apartments, not employees, but oh, it's um, like, wow. No, no, no. But <laughs> there, I mean, the first company I was with, we had to put a protocol in place where like, you cannot go in, you have to get a police there to do welfare checks. Like you are no longer allowed to go in units because we had employees finding oh my either na- died of natural causes or other ways. So that's not what they want to go see when they start their morning off. Yep. So 
I mean, there's those stories, but as far as employees outside of, you know, employees hooking up with residents, Oof. inevitable, but it's like, really? <laughs> so easy. I mean, yeah. you know, taking yeah. a break. I mean, we had the, <laughs> you know, if there's a work order and you need something fixed, they're going to go in and people would get accused of like stealing stuff. So it's like, I being HR, I'm working with the resident and the employee of like, what's the story, investigate what's going on. And then, I mean, that's tough that you have to deal with the residents too. It's like, you know, sign up for that piece. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sexual harassment with the residents. Mm -hmm. I mean, because emergency on call, if somebody's locked out, lost their keys, and they can't get in, and they're coming home drunk at two a.m., our person on call has to go out and let them in. And because the girls are drunk, sometimes they're like, "Oh, he was doing this," and I'm like, "Well, we checked the cameras, and he literally opened the door, and you like fell in. He didn't push you. He didn't, <laughs> you know." <laughs> those those types of stories oh man i i always said that we should have a show because property management is kind of like hr every day is different and it's there's wild. always something going on that's like no way could that happen <laughs> yeah is the is the property management sector we talk in this program a lot about we talk in this program a lot about how HR is often set it and forget it when you talk about like the corporate structure and where that part of the company sits in relation to the other parts of the company that are more revenue generating or whatever, a little more sexy. How does the property management sector kind of in general view the tasks that human resources do or the people that are, that are put into those tasks? I think it, just depends again coming from two smaller mom you know mom and pop I keep saying but there wasn't always processes or training to be an actual manager right of managing your maintenance team so how I was viewed or or utilized a lot by managers was like hey I have this situation going on a lot at the beginning they were like you need to handle it and I'm like no, I will help you handle it. Right. I am your resource, yeah. but this is your team. Essentially, you need to create that relationship, build that trust and get them on your side as, you know, motivated to work for you and go above and beyond and do all the extra things as needed. But also on the flip side was how how do I utilize right. Courtney in HR, mm -hmm. right? Like what do I use her for? So there was also the conversations of, okay, if you need these types of items, right? Help with a maintenance tech situation or training or trying to, you know, let people know what they can use me for. And also growing with the company, I knew a lot of how, how all the different processes, whether it was leasing, whether it was accounting, because I started there, all the different things. People came to me because I did know all the extra pieces, right? So I guess it kind of depended on what they needed. Right. And that is one thing really great about HR is that our business, I mean, we get in everybody's business. Yeah. We understand the good, the bad. We understand what Mary Jo's going through with her, her mom, you know, maybe her mom's sick. Maybe it's, you know, it's a, it's a you know, Cindy has a cat, you know, dying next week and, you know, we're going to go sign a card. Like, but we know everybody's business. We know the inner workings of where the company is financially. We know so many intricate things about the business that we have an opportunity to again come to that table and and make our plea and 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 really have a voice now and i i do think that that is changing and i've i've witnessed that change you know kind of throughout my career as as well you know we're just not stuck back in the corner you know we have so many different uses like what you've been talking about are you still with that company right now I am not. So they decided to 
sell off the property management side of the company. So they went from about 200 employees down to 25. Oof. Yep. Uh, majority, we'll say 99% of the, the employees were absorbed by the new company, the acquisition. Were minus... they okay with that? Were they excited for that transition or were they just scared and hopped up the bu- hopped off of the bus i mean there were a lot of questions so yeah. there was like what's gonna happen are we really gonna have a job you know are we gonna get the same pay and so i unfortunately was not absorbed by the new company but i was given the opportunity to stay on during the transition to help right so not only working with the new hr team that was bringing them on and answering those questions mm-hmm making sure people were comfortable of it's it's essentially the same job the same team the same manager that you have right now we're just moving under a new umbrella call it and i'm sure i haven't really spoken to anyone it's been a year now but if that company came in and changed all their processes i don't think they did entirely but i'm sure for branding purposes and just training they might have come in and said, hey, yes, you have a new lease and this is the process, but this is how we want you to do it because it's like a plug and play, right? If this manager's out and we need somebody to fill in really fast on Saturday over here, you can jump in and say, I know exactly the process that it's going to be. And that was our goal when property management was still with the company was to create that kind of Mm -hmm. plug and play option and make sure that everyone was all on the same page. Also to create that family where yes, you're a family at your one community, but again, if you need to help somewhere else, you also know those other employees at the other location. So different challenges there. Uh, it was very interesting to go through an acquisition like that and to see all sides of it's okay. You, you have your position <laughs> a little bittersweet. Cause I was like, well, shoot, what am I going to do? Yeah. You know? What uh, did you do? Well, I moved over to HR consulting with you, Amy, as one of my first starts. And it's been awesome because I can make my own schedule, kind of choose my projects based on my expertise. Mm -hmm. And I also do HR consulting with one other company that is essentially kind of the same, but on a bigger scale where based on my experience and my interests, they'll match me with a project that that works with great. my experience. So it's been interesting. I I do like it. I'm working remote, which is different, like full-time remote. Uh, it has its pros and cons, right? Like I could go switch the laundry real fast. Yeah. <laughs> but I also kind of miss the people aspect of you're filling your water bottle and it's like, hey, how's your day? Mm-hmm. So there's there's pros and cons but there's weekly meetings you know where you get to see everyone and bullshit and have fun and get to know everyone it's just at a different caliber Mm -hmm. i guess you could say so courtney what would you say what what's your preferred method you know it sounds like you like a little both but if you had to choose this is i'm always going to be remote or i'm always going to be in-house what would it be i because I'm newer kind of to the HR consulting and having the the different projects, I really like the variety and also learning different industries and, and working yeah. with East Coast and West Coast and whatever it may be. It has been time management skills, right? To like 100%. make sure I'm not dropping the ball on these guys and, you know, making sure I'm covering all my bases. So I've actually really enjoyed that variety of everything, but I'm, you know, I'm trying to think if I do go back to one company in-house and I don't know if I'd ever fully, I mean, it'd be hybrid if I did. 
can HR execute better in-house or remote? I I mean, I would say you need to have a presence in-house for the emergency items that come up and just the per, like culture, the culture of the company. But it goes to that. How is the culture of the company? What exactly is the industry that you're in? Because as I've been working from home, I don't have those small little questions and constant interruptions where I can actually get my task and focus on whatever it is that I can complete and get done without having to be like, oh, these seven things just came up and I'm walking around. And then as I'm walking around, this person has a question and, you know, all the different things. So I think it depends on the industry. It's not like those questions don't come up because you're not there. You're just not there to answer them, right? Is that a takeaway? Yes, I would say so. I think a lot of people too asked me because I knew kind of the different nuances and different departments where it should have been an, an accounting question, right? but because I dabble a little bit, you know, and help out, I knew the answer and I could have answered it. So maybe it's people need to be more resourceful. I mean, that could go a long ways. Here's your pro tip, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Be more resourceful and the world's problems will solve themselves. What about you, Amy? Do you think that HR has to have a presence on site or can you be a, you know, obviously fully remote companies are a different and, and kind of a unicorn anymore anyway. But like if you have a an office, if you have a, a physical space as part of your company, do you have to have an on-site HR representation? Well, doing what I do, Tony. I'm going to, I'm going to say no to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm going to know for a few reasons. I think since I've made the switch from in-house to consultant now for about eight years, I can get my job done in a more resourceful time, executed better and delivered in a, in a nice bow in a package a thousand percent times quicker than I ever could setting my ass in the office. Because here's what happens. We have, I call them ploppers. And the ploppers come by and they want to tell you about their dog, Sandy, and about their uh, mom and about their wedding they attended. And then they finally get to the question at hand. And then you have to have another hour conversation about the real question that they were in. Two and a half to three hours later, <laughs> when Bobby Joe is leaving my office, then I have to answer all my emails talk to the CFO about some, you know, the the woman's boob that's been hanging out half of the day and how we need to get her in the conference room today to tell her to to shove it back in. Yeah, yes. these are real yeah. things that happen. Yeah. Somebody stinks. Yeah, oh, the stinky ones. <laughs> yeah. Come on, just wash your armpits. Deodorant is a thing, Boulder, Colorado. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you, your crystals and so your funny. your foopaws and your Come on. Man up. Let's let's get some some stuff underneath those armpits. That's beside the point. Um, but also another true story. Um, so I think just the waste of time outweighs the benefit of having somebody in office. And if you play it right and you structure it properly, where there are check-ins, there are ways, you know, Slack, for instance. If I had all of my clients on Slack on a daily basis, and I have probably a handful of them on Slack, whether it's mine or theirs or whatever, I'm a touch of a button away. I am a phone call away. I am a Zoom away. So I'm a plopper. Oh, we know. We know. <laughs> I'm not going to get to the root of why I'm talking to you for a, a, at least 20 minutes. Yeah into that conversation but, i mean yes. tony and i you know the drill i mean you and i we have right I, i'm not I'm sorry to, to all of our bosses out there but you and i <laughs> have wasted so much effing time just bullshitting around in a conference room or in somebody's basement true. that's true i mean for days i'll say though that i'm a plopper i'm someone i'm an i'm an extrovert i'm someone like courtney who professionally i want an audience you know i want someone there i like the people part of human resources human i like the humans and human resources 
Slack and instant messaging is the thing for me, Amy. I'm glad that you said that because I am also in a fully remote situation right now. And having a one button distance between me and my coworkers has helped me to transition away from that water cooler talk that I so sorely miss. We're families. I'm I'm very much, you know, work is a it's just a different kind of family. I know that that's not everybody's take, but in order to have the culture that draws me, in order to have that contact and that connection with my coworkers, having having Slack or regular check-in Zoom meetings, those types of things help help me and people like me, I think, to transition into that into that space. You know, yep. I think um, COVID obviously changed the world dramatically in a lot of different ways. Um, one way, I, I think it helped people in businesses that were stuck in the past, you know, that, that are ran by these older white males yeah. with the Velcro on their shoes that didn't think that they could do anything online. Um, have an understanding that it can work and right. we can think out of the box and we can do something different. Um, you know, my my company, SOG HR, we do a lot of recruiting and the most difficult positions that we have to fill today are those that have to be on site. Um, nobody wants to do it anymore. I mean, hell, I can't even get candidates to take a, a survey for five minutes to be able to get passed on to a hiring manager, even though I beg and plead because they're like, somebody else is knocking at the door, you know, and I'm going to answer that, not you instead for five minutes. So, I mean, it's, it's the world we play in, you know, everybody wants to be remote. If they can be remote, they want to be remote. So let me ask you this for some actionable Intel, where do you succeed in hiring and recruiting for those positions that do require a, a butt in the seat in the office? So you think it's your normal, you know, my top places to go are LinkedIn and indeed, um, but your sales pitch to them is very different. It takes more of that handholding and building that relationship and kind of coaxing them in to that place. I think also that company has to have an amazing benefit package and pay them well enough to drive that hour to work. Is that the bottom line? Is it salary and benefits that will bring people into the office? Yeah. Yeah. And if you're you know, you've got to entice them to come back. The average, you know, 20 bucks an hour, no benefits, shitty management, right. long commutes. Gone. If you can get away from that, they're going to, yeah, nobody's going to come back to work. It's difficult. Can some of those those pre-pandemic practices, like, you know, I, I cut my teeth in Boulder and the startup community there was. Do you uh, wear deodorant? I do. I do. <laughs> It's a crystal. It's a crystal that I that I keep charged in my window, so that I just, <laughs> I I I just walk by, you know, with my armpit pointed at it twice a day. But the one of the things that that Boulder, the startup scene in Boulder, did is they would these companies would trip over themselves to give little perks and bumps and bonuses to that culture and that office life, right? Like whether it's gourmet food or pet friendliness or yoga in the morning what have you just these little perks are those things that can move the dial for today's workforce that is so attracted to working at home i mean i don't want a goat on my back it's not going to be like i'm gonna i could You're go not, have a goat on my that's back. not going to bring amy into your office goats yeah pooping goats is not going to bring amy in but like for the general workforce are some is is it time to go back to that you know, pre-pandemic, how can we make this office as comfortable as possible for the for the the people to bring him in? I see Courtney kind of shaking her head. Maybe not. What do you think? I I mean, I agree with Amy. It's you got to make it worth it to that person to come to the office. And I mean, just in today's world, benefits and the little extras that you can offer, do it because there's so many companies that are, I mean, it's as simple as a 401k match, right? There's still a yeah. lot of companies that don't. So even when I was applying for jobs, that was something I wanted and I made sure they had it right. So there's certain things that people want and they won't settle for less. 
So yeah, you gotta I mean, figure it out. With that, I mean, hiring for my own small company, I've got an amazing set of talented individuals that generally value remote working over everything else. Do I offer health insurance? I do. Is it super expensive? It is. But I really offer no other benefits other than that, other than being a great boss, in my opinion. Sure, we've got PTO, and I'm going to allow you to, to pretty much do whatever you want, whenever you want it, as long as your job is done. I do not care if you work at midnight. I don't care if you're online by 10 o'clock, if you've got a scheduled meeting attended, if you've got shit to do, go do it. We're big girls and boys. I mean, if you've got a shitty business culture, they're not going to allow you to do that. They're going to be micromanaging you, putting software on your computer to monitor if you're there, which I, I, I read an article about, you know, sure, you can be remote, but I'm going to monitor your computer. It's like, what? You know what? You can buy you can buy a product called a mouse jiggler. Yeah, that moves your mouse. My brother has one. <laughs> oh, does he? Yeah, yeah. I just, we had that conversation the other. This day. is such a this is such a like interesting topic for me. The work from home monitoring, work from home or not work from home hybrid kind of transition that we're going back into this quote unquote normalcy post pandemic and all of the ways that labor and management are fighting each other on this. Yeah. When it's forced for whatever reason, you know, it's just a, it, to me, it's such an interesting space and an interesting space for HR in particular, because we are at the forefront of these discussions. We've got to get the bodies in the seats, whether those seats are on the couch with the laptop in your lap or at a desk with the laptop on, on the desktop. Yeah, and I, you know, again, if you value peace and quiet at home in a remote working style, I can probably pay you less to do that than I can if you come into the office. I, I've got great people on my team that they should be making double what they should, but they're not because they've taken a step back and they enjoy what they do where they're doing it from. And thank God for those people. I love my team, by the way. <laughs> We you make it it's easy. honest though Thanks, yeah, you do i mean like you said it's when we're able to do it as long as you're getting your job done and the tasks that you have then do it at midnight do it at 6 a.m yeah. you know whatever you want to go take your, your dog for a two-hour walk i tell you to go to go you know uh, that's one of the reasons we're here yeah flexibility remote work yep. um i think that's where things are going if they can right we have a client that is a, a sales dealership, right? Right. You're not going to sell a car remotely. And there's people out there that's trying that. Obviously, there's industries that you just can't play in that space. And those are the ones that I think are are having such a hard time getting those folks in the door and those butts in the seats to actually do a job like that and come to work all day. But usually they've got the mentality of Tony that want an audience that craves right. and desire that like community communal touch throughout the day. So is a best practice for those types of businesses that have to be on location, just pay more, increase your benefits. Yes. Is that That's it. That's simple as that. No, nice job. We absolutely figured it out. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> there's not another show coming ever again. This is the end of, it our is. podcast we've done I it mean, we've done it you, you gotta pay have more. a great pay culture more. you have to pay them what they are worth and you've got to have a good benefit package or you're not gonna get those those a players i can get you some b and c ones but they're not gonna stay long check our link tree for a link to uh sog hr and we can help you uh build those cultures out and tell you how much to pay prospective employees so that they do want to come work for you and they never leave right we can do that that's easy game i can yeah. tell you how much you should pay all yeah. day long yeah, yeah, yeah. okay courtney yes. final question are you ready yes are you sure yes okay <laughs> if you could go back to that girl working at texas roadhouse day one <laughs> 
what would you tell yourself? What piece of advice would you look back and give yourself today? I would say to keep working hard, keep that work ethic because it's going to take you places. It's going to open doors that you don't think are going to open. And those doors are going to open further doors and, and just keep working hard because if you put in the work, it eventually will pay off. Work's going to pay off. You got to have some grit. Yes. Yep. Got to sometimes do the long hours to get to where you want to be, but you're going to learn a lot. So take it in. (laughs) Awesome. Courtney, thanks so much for for joining Tony and I on our excursions of trying to open up the the real life world of HR and kind of where it's going. So thanks so much. Thanks for having me. It was fun. For those of you out there that want to make a comment, want to be on our show, want to give us bad reviews, we'll take them whatever which way we can get. Find us on our Instagram at HR underscore unscripted. Check us out wherever podcasts are available. Thank you.